Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to episode 107 of Three Point Podcast. Our triple threat includes the young fella, Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our middleman is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm the seasoned one, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, the Corona Public Schools, ProMec Engineering, and our online syndication teammates, Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. And shoot us your comments and questions on social media at 3 Point Pod. Well, I got to tell you, it was a busy, busy week since our last get-together. Mark D'Antonio, he retired took a big duffel bag home with him. And uh, also, Michigan beat Michigan State in hoops. The XFL is up and running to mostly positive reviews and a lot of other good stuff. And we have a fun guest lined up to talk D'Antonio, MSU, and other things. Lucy Rodine of At Rodine TV will be checking in with us shortly from Iowa. We'll get it all rolling right after this short break. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys. I mean, we all texted back and forth. We recorded our last podcast a week ago, Monday. And Tuesday, the big news broke. Coach Mark D'Antonio announces his retirement, having a press conference, showed up at the basketball game that night to say farewell to the crowd. That kind of sets the stage. Take it away, boys. Thoughts on MD leaving? When... D'Antonio retired. I know you guys might have thought that I would be happy, but I really wasn't. I, I mean, it's sort of similar to the Joker and Batman. Like, Batman never kills the Joker. They never kill each other. They just kind of, they're kind of always supposed to keep going back and forth. You know, it's a dog chasing a car, like he says in the, in the Dark Knight. I wouldn't want to know what to do once I caught one, and that's kind of what it's like here. I never thought... D'Antonio was ever going to retire. I thought that for for the rest of my life, you know, the next 20, 15 to 20 years, we're just going to keep on going back and forth with him. He's going to keep beating us every few years, and we're going to have a nice back and forth. But now that he's gone, I mean, I don't blame him for leaving. I almost feel like with the suspension, a lot, a lot of people are putting a big premium on that's why he left and the bonus. I think it's more of this. This past year, he's had to deal with a lot of shit from people like you, me, like uh, 
all, all three of us pretty much, and just state fans who basically have told this legendary coach, Rose Bowl winning coach at Michigan State, Big Ten title galore, that you need to fire these guys who you won these Rose, this Rose Bowl with, these Big Ten titles with. You're going to bring in a spread uh, co- co- coordinator on offense. We're going to tell you how to coach. And I think that hearing that all the time might have like kind of just affected him mentally and just said, you know what, screw these people, I'm out. That's kind of was what my first reaction was. I think that definitely is probably what it came down to. I mean, he gave – I don't want to say excuse because he, it might be genuine, but he gave the excuse that he, he needs more family time. But I just thought it was kind of funny that he decided he needed more family time after he added seven digits to his bank account just a couple of weeks before. So that was kind of weird. But I do I am kind of with you. I think it was like a culmination of everything. I know Ted has said before that at the end of the season, you know, he just looks – tired and he looks like maybe all of this like what you're talking about jared is finally catching up to him having to recruit year-round having to deal with the big 10 media and michigan state media and just everything he's probably getting sick of it my biggest thing i i don't understand i mean michigan state fans we've talked about them with izzo and with d'antonio one thing like to their credit is they're super loyal it's like a family the spartan family super loyal to their coaches i think sometimes to a fault because i don't understand how they can look at the situation and not see anything kind of shady with it. You know, I, I definitely think that that money, that $4.3 million, that retention bonus, that was in his contract. 100% everyone knows that, yes, he's going to take that money. No, and he, and nothing's he, wrong with that. No, nothing's wrong with that. And, you know, I mean, he had every right to take that money. He had every right to take that money. And that's, like, I've, I've said, like, you know, gotten into a couple little back and forth with people. Like, I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken that money. My stance has always been I truly think that whether it was after the regular season, you know, before bowl season started or after the bowl, he had to at least have been thinking about retiring. At least been thinking about it. There was no way, even though he was saying the things like, you know, he wanted to complete the circle and we're just getting started. He's throwing out all these cliches. You know he was thinking about retiring, but the big thing was that bonus. If he would have went and talked to the Michigan State President AD, you know, whole organization and the athletic department, they could have worked out a buyout, whether pay it out over five years or they would have just paid it all to him right there. And none of this would be going on, and especially the day before signing day, like everyone has talked about, is when he retired. And then when the, all this, like Curtis Blackwell stuff, all this you know court stuff, the deposition uh, is starting to come out, these allegations, he, he retires the day that you know, a lot of it actually comes out in public. I, I just don't understand how the fan base can't look at it and think that there's anything shady going on, especially now. How does the dude who is the most legendary coach in Michigan State history leave without a clear-cut, sure replacement coming in. If he's going to retire and leave this program in the shambles that it is, and they can't find a coach. They can't find a coach. That's a dick move. (laughs) It it is. The timing is bad. I mean, it came out that he had written that letter of his retirement like a week before he ended up coming out with the... I do think that maybe... The allegations had something to do with it, but it's hard for me to think that that's the leading factor for his retirement when, I mean, you look at, like, Memphis basketball, Penny Hardaway, it's, like, basically confirmed fact that he paid Wiseman to come there, and he's had basically no problems whatsoever other than Wiseman's had to sit out. I mean, nothing's came down on Penny Hardaway, so I do think that it really wouldn't have been that big of a deal that might be getting blown out of proportion a little bit. But I was just, it's crazy that he ended up retiring when he did, because I don't know about you guys, I know bowl games are kind of a joke, but it really did seem like Michigan State had some a little bit of momentum 
going into this year. I mean, they finished the game, the season on three game winning streak, won their bowl game, and for him to retire, it just it seems like he would have done it right at the end of the bowl game. I don't know why he really did screw everyone by retiring when he did. It's just I don't. We need him to explain better why he retired now. I think the three game winning streak was a smoking mirror thing. I think prior to that, I think. He had probably had his mind made up, or at least was totally leaning to retiring after this season. You know, then then it's the juices got to him. He won three straight games, including a bowl game. You know, he was in New York City. He probably laid down at night after that game and thought, you know what, I'm going to stick around. You know, and it was one of those things he's going back and forth, but I, you just can't justify at all the timing of this. It just, it was like Matt said, a dick move. I mean, you, how? How do you do that the day before you know your day before recruiting signing? I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's not just us. As you know, everyone knows who listens to this podcast. We're, we're Michigan football fans. You know, you fall on the other side when it comes to basketball. But come football season, you know, we're Michigan fans. Right. But we can look at things rationally. You know, like if he had retired on a good note, we'd be able to recognize his greatness, which we do. But you're looking at all of it together, and that's what makes it so shady. And especially like looking at their recruiting class. They're currently, according to 247 Sports, they're 10th they're in the Big Ten. They have no five or four stars. And, you know, you had recruits that were ready to sign the day, the day after he retired. You know, on signing day, they were going to sign. And all of a sudden, their head coach retires. And there, some people were tweeting out, like, they had just been in East Lansing on official visits and stuff a couple weeks, two, three, four weeks before. And they're having D'Antonio tell them, you know, probably preaching all that stuff, like, I'm going to be here I'm for the whole time, anywhere. telling the parents, you know, I'm going to mold your, your kid into a young man. And, you know, just throwing out all those cliches that, you know, coaches always do when they're recruiting. But you knew in the back of the, his mind he was thinking about retirement, which then adds to the dick move thing. Because I'm sitting here saying you can either you can slice it one of two ways. Either he knew he was going to retire and he was only sticking around for that bonus, so he was lying to recruits. Or he had already told the school he was going to retire and, you know, I'm just going to stick here for the bonus and, you know, a couple weeks after I'm going to make it not look shady and I'm going to retire, but I want my bonus. And the school was hiding it. Like, it's either, it's basically either one of two ways. You know, a lot of the fan base is saying, like, no, I really think that he got the bonus. He was all in. Oh, I know it. Later, he changed his mind. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, would you? Well, what's the, what's the bigger dick move? I mean, there's two different ways you can do it. You can do what D'Antonio did which is in a way he retired at the perfect time so that Michigan State wouldn't lose any recruits because it's very unlikely that any of them were going to swap put basically basically like 12 hours before they had to sign. But Or you could do the Lloyd Carr route, which is if you remember if when he was on his way out, he basically told everyone to decommit, don't come here, Rich Rod isn't like a good coach, like don't come here, and he left the, the cabinets bare. I feel like both of those are dick moves. I don't know which one's the right one. Oh, I totally agree that that was a dick move too. But also... I, I just can't believe the Spartan fans that totally stuck up for him, especially early on here this last week. If if Jim Harbaugh would have done the same thing, you think we'd be sticking up for him? No damn way. <laughs> no, we'd be, we would be pissing on his ashes. So that's Absolutely. What we'd be doing. I think one thing that is interesting to think about, too, and I've criticized him a lot and, you know, taken a couple digs, I guess, and I can recognize how great of a coach he was. He you know, whether it was Duffy or him, he, he probably was the greatest coach in Michigan. Do we kind of agree with that? He was the greatest coach yeah. in MSU history for football. For sure in our time. I, I think mean, he's a he's a top, like, in sort of the 
for what Michigan State is, what he was able to do with him, I think he's one of the best that in my lifetime, at least in the Big Ten. He was a he was a great coach, no doubt. He was a great coach, and I, I still I'm I stick to my guns. You you can't take the wins away. You can't take the CFP appearance away. You can't take the Big Ten titles away. You cannot do that. But you also cannot ignore the fact that his greatest run at Michigan State, that four or five year run was when Michigan was going through their worst stretch ever. Penn State had their sanctions going on. Ohio State, you know, Urban Meyer was kind of getting things going. He did beat Ohio State the one year, so can't take that away. But it, it's not – I don't see how you don't think it's fishy at all that things started really falling apart once Harbaugh got rolling, once Franklin got Penn State rolling and all that. And that's all of a sudden D'Antonio starts losing his mojo. They keep saying, like, ah, it's because he lost some – assistance or that's because he wouldn't fire assistance well then that that's just a testament to that that's like a knock on his legacy i feel like if he's this great coach you know harbaugh loses assistance all the time nick saban loses assistance all the time and they're able to replace him and keep things going why couldn't d'antonio do the same thing like that's what makes you think like why why are fans like so loyal to this guy because i i think there's one thing too like he maybe set their expectations a little unrealistically for that football program because that three-year run from 2013 to 2015, they won 36 games. That, I mean, that's legit. That might be that, – that's one of the best three-year runs, not, at, not just for Michigan State, for, like, any school, winning 36 games in three years. But, like, that, that's a clear outlier for that program. They have never – had a run like that in program history. So, like, I, I almost feel like, you know, they thought that they'd be able to just go get any coach. This is an elite program. We just need an elite coach to come in and turn things around. They're, they're toting the, the Big Ten titles, the college football playoff appearance, and all this stuff. And it's like, I, that's not what Michigan State football really is. So I think you guys need to temper your expectations. Well, you know. No, it, 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 it was D'Antonio. And that's kind of like, that's kind of what was crazy about how poorly he was sort of treated these last few years. I know that any other coach probably would have fired his assistants and made some changes. But he's the reason that Michigan State won those 36 games. He's the reason that they, they were like this national brand. And it's going to be like it's Michigan State fans are going to have to come back down to reality here where, I mean, you got Luke Fickle turning them down. They're going to return kind of, which I don't want to see as a Michigan fan. I don't want it to just be Michigan beating them down every year. It, but they're going to have to go back to kind of where they are, which is a lower-level Big Ten team. Yeah, I mean, what do you make of the fact that, you know, they pretty much thought they had Fickle locked down, you know. AD goes down to Cincinnati this last weekend. You know, he's getting an offer of $5 mil a year for five years, and he turns them down. What's that say about Michigan State's athletic program right now? And just let's just say the after effect of the whole Nasser thing. The thing that kind of doesn't make sense to me, and I'll be curious what you guys think of this, him talking about the culture on Michigan State's campus, like what is like what did he do a tour when he went there and saw like kids bullying a student or something like that? Like I, he knew that before he went interviewed for the job. Right. So what that makes me think that something ha- really happened in this interview because it seemed like such a layup. He's going on radio shows talking about the Michigan State job. He's flying out for interviews. Like it seemed like such a layup to hire him, and then for him to end up saying, you know what, I'm good. I think something really turned him off whether it was talking to, to D'Antonio before the interview or conversation he had during the interview something happened that like changed his opinion real quick you know I think it's it'll be interesting to talk to our guest coming up Lucy Rodine because you know she she caught a little flack for a, a video she made on social media and I think she caught some 
some hate from Michigan State fans. So I'd be curious to hear her thoughts on, like, that culture thing you're talking about, Ted. Because, I mean, we, we don't need to get into all this stuff. Everyone right. knows some of the stuff that's been going on that campus or the, the stuff that they've been going through at Michigan State. But I, I saw some people talk about something that's interesting. So so Mark Hollis left, or how, whatever happened, you know, he, he was done at AD. And they brought in Beekman, who had no experience as an athletic director, at a, especially at a, a major school, a major program like Michigan State. And so I don't know if he's going to be a permanent. You know, they still haven't said if he's necessarily like the long-term answer at AD. And people have said that maybe that kind of played a part, that you got these coaches looking, all the other stuff that's going on at Michigan State. You have an AD who has never done that job before, who may or may not be there in a year or two, three years. And, you know, you don't know what direction the athletic department is going. And you want me to come in with a poor recruiting class, a team that's only won seven games the last two years, you know, they won seven games each year the last few years. So, like, what, like, realistically, did you expect all these coaches to just come running to Michigan State? No, crawling. That's what D'Antonio said. Right. They're, they're going to crawl there. Right. <laughs> so, where do they go from here? I mean, I'm just looking at some of these odds right now. I mean, Narduzzi said no. He was plus 300. Blake Anderson, plus 750. I mean, you got Chris Creighton, plus 600. Mike Tressel, potentially the interim at plus 1,200. Matt Campbell, plus 1,200. Who is their guy now? Is it interim? I'll give you mine. I'd go with Tressel. On an interim, you know, he's got a year. Let him see what what he can do. Because I'll tell you right now, at this stage of the season, and and you got a program like Michigan State that – Frankly, he's in shambles right now. Who are you going to bring in? Who who's out there that you could really bring in to give a five-year contract to at this date and turn things around? Fickle probably was the guy you would be comfortable with, and he turns him down. I go with an interim. I go with Trestle for this year. And let's face it, we've we've seen the talent. They've lost talent. You're going to go with Rocky Lombardi at quarterback, and you know your recruiting is what three stars right now, maybe. That's what I would do, and I would, I would, I don't know what they're going to do with the athletic director, but whoever the president is, I don't even know who it is. You know, the last president I remember was Engler. I don't even know who the president is of MSU, but they got to get the right athletic director in there, number one, and then you got a whole year to figure out who you want to run your program. Yeah, it does seem like it, it's not ideal at all because I've seen people talk about when Luke Fickle was the coach at that one year at Ohio State. He was kind of, you know, he was there on like an interim basis. But I think most people knew, one, that, that that roster was loaded. Ohio State was still loaded. But they knew that Urban Meyer was probably coming that next year. Uh, Michigan State doesn't have an Urban Meyer waiting to come in next year. So, while, yeah, I, I'm with you, Ted. I think Trestle, they probably should have just done it yep. unless Fickle was actually going to come. They probably should have just said right when D'Antonio retired, it's Trestle's job, we're giving him a year. So maybe some recruits – stick around or maybe that's your recruiting pitch because right now like what are you telling recruits it would have looked a lot better that's for sure yeah and you know yes you give them a year hope you just get things like stabilized you know try yeah try and find a quarterback that's going to be there for a year or two try and establish a couple captains a couple leaders that'll be there for a year or two maybe there's some freshmen coming in who can really make a mark because right now i mean like yeah we've all kind of been saying it what is the direction of this program i don't think anyone knows I'm calling up uh, Chris Creighton, if I'm being honest. And, and for those that don't know, that's Eastern Michigan's coach. And I know it's kind of funny, like, oh, like Michigan State's going to hire Eastern's coach. Because those of us who are in Michigan, you know how bad that Eastern program was. 
And the, the fact that he's taken them, and he should have beat Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh in the bowl game at uh, Ford Field this year. It's like, I think he is really a legit coach, and what he's done at Eastern Michigan has shown me enough that he deserves a chance because what has he done? He's gone into a program like Eastern, who was losing basically every game. I think he can pull sort of that same maneuver at Michigan State, who has different problems, but he kind of knows how to build a program from scratch. You know, that's not the worst idea in the world, and that guy I think is a is an up and coming coach. But what make what would make that different than all the hate PJ Fleck got when he left Western Michigan? This would be worse, wouldn't it, if Creighton leaves the Eastern program at this stage of the season? I mean, a, a, a little bit, but that just kind of comes with the territory. You want to be Michigan State's coach? I mean, you're going to have to move on from Eastern sooner or later. Yeah, I just feel don't. like I feel like Eastern should know that you know if Creighton, like Jared's saying, is a legitimate coach, he's not going to be there for the long term. True, it would, it would kind of be shady to leave mid-February, but, you know, they, they have to know he's not staying there for the next 30 years. True. That wouldn't be the first time, and I'm not – I wouldn't be a big time against it if he's the real deal. He did turn around Eastern, and a lot of people can't do that, but I still would just ride with Trestle myself. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do because, you know, it is the type of thing. You know, they're, they are kind of reeling a little bit. Does, you've got Ohio State just rolling, one of the best teams in the country. Fleck has turned around Minnesota. Wisconsin's always there. Iowa's always there. Michigan and Penn State are kind of doing their thing, too. So, like, where is Michigan State right now in the Big Ten, especially if they're kind of setting themselves back two or three years? Yeah, and I do also agree with Jared's point. You don't want to see Michigan State be beaten by Michigan every year, you know, eight out of ten years. You want to see the rivalry stay. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't want to see it go back to like what it was in the 90s, even though it's, it was kind of fun. But, yeah, it, <laughs> it, that was one thing about D'Antonio that we've talked about on the podcast before. He brought that hatred back. I mean, that's why Jared hates Michigan State more than Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it still doesn't quite set in that D'Antonio's not going to be on those sidelines because he's pretty much ever since I can remember he's been Michigan State's coach. And it is sad to see him go because, like, you love to hate him. I guess I loved hating him, and now it's like if Michigan State brings in one of these guys that I like or doesn't quite have the same hatred and the rivalry as he brought, then it's it's just not the same. It's just it's a sad day for Michigan athletics. Yeah, and I I did like the way D'Antonio handled his business. I mean, he he wasn't the the best guy at a press conference, and so what? But I'll tell you what he he ran the show. He was the boss, and there was no getting around that. And that's that part's going to be missed by me. He was the boss of the football program, but I, one last thing I want to ask you guys before maybe we, we move yeah. on. So I saw that Tom Izzo has been saying that he's been a part of the coaching search. How does that, how does that make you feel? We all know that Tom Izzo basically runs it. You said you don't know who the president of MSU is. It's Tom Izzo. <laughs> yeah, let, like, let's be honest. It's Tom Izzo. But how would you feel, you know, not, not just like the culture thing and some of these other things that some candidates have said, but when you come in and the basketball coach, everyone knows Izzo's a legend, but and the basketball coach is part of the search. Like, wouldn't that kind of like rub you the wrong way? I feel like it's one thing if Izzo, once you get hired, you know, come and you you meet him. Hey, let's do this thing together. Let's you know work together. Whatever you want to say. But having him like a part of the football coaching search isn't that kind of strange? Yeah, I never thought about that. That's a good point. You go into your interview and basically your the basketball coach is your boss almost in a sense where he's right. judging you and whether or not you should be hired that kind of just screams that this is a basketball school 
Well, but then again, I mean, Izzo's been there for so long that it's like, I do think, and I do, if I was a Michigan State fan, I want Izzo in that interview room. 100% because I would trust agree. His opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, Jared. I mean, it, it is strange. Matt brings up a good point. It's strange when you look at the whole logistics of it. But, I mean, Tom Izzo is Michigan State, and they're going to they're gonna look to him for their opinion. And he is a coach, and he is an ex, he's a successful coach, and he knows how to deal with the, the players and, you know, the parents and everything else. So I don't, I don't think it's that strange that he's involved. But there might be some coaches who don't want to you, – you know maybe in the back of your mind you're coming in, you're going to be kind of like second fiddle to the basketball program at Michigan State. But wouldn't it kind of be a little slap to your ego, to your pride, when Izzo's right there basically saying, like, you're not going to be as big as me at this school? Well, I, I can see that. I, the way I would look at it is if, if that affects somebody – then he's not the right right coach for the job. It, I think that a good a good candidate would see Izzo there and say, pretty much to himself, like enjoy it while 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 it lasts because I'm going to overtake the Michigan State basketball program as like the king program in this school. Well, especially if it's a younger coach. I mean, he can you know, Izzo could be a little bit of a mentor when it comes to dealing with things over there. But it is funny that one of the reasons he may never admit to it, but uh, Nick Saban left was wasn't it the salary he wasn't getting as much as Izzo. Yeah. <laughs> How funny is that? That's hilarious. Yeah, which if you think about it, at the time, Izzo, had, he hadn't won his championship yet. So, you know, like right. at the time, Izzo, I mean, he was, well, you knew he was going to be a good coach, but he wasn't who he is now. Well, I mean, and not only that, I mean, look at the football team. They bring in, you know, 70,000 people on a Saturday, and you're in charge of how many players? Like 120, 130 players, whatever it is, <laughs> compared to the 15 on the basketball team. It is kind of strange. Yep. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've discussed uh, the Mark D'Antonio thing enough between the three of us. We'll also hook up with our special guest here, Lucy Rodine, and get some of her opinions. And we'll bring her on here next. But I just want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, an area business leader, and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. Speaking of Corona, the CoronaConnection.com, they know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. And speaking of Corona, make Corona your school of choice, beginner garden, and kindergarten registration for next fall coming up on March 5th and 6th. The saying goes, young or old, it's great to be gold. All right, guys. Well, let's bring in our special guest for tonight. You guys, we, we already went over our reactions to the whole situation going on at Michigan State with D'Antonio and Luke Fickle turning down the job today. But let's bring in our guest. Uh, her name is Lucy Rodine. She's an Iowa alum, and she's doing a lot of videos and stuff like that for social media. And that's kind of where I came across a video that she made the day that Mark D'Antonio retired. First... Lucy, thank you for joining us. Give us a quick rundown. You're from North Carolina. How did you end up at Iowa? So I'm actually still a senior at Iowa. I'll graduate in May. Um, So my dad is an Iowa alum. So I grew up in North Carolina, a huge Hawkeye fan, always have been. And so I knew I've always wanted to go into sports journalism, sports broadcasting, and I knew that there was no team I'd rather cover than Iowa. So I made the 14-hour trip to Iowa City and uh, been loving it ever since. That's awesome. I, I know a bunch of coworkers and some friends who are also Hawkeyes, and I know that's a proud alumni base. So really cool. That's one place that I'd love to go and watch a football game, definitely. But as I said in, in the intro, the video that kind of 
brought you to my attention, or you know, the the video that I saw on Twitter, was your reaction to Mark D'Antonio retiring. A bit of a surprise. Um, for the people who didn't see it, we retweeted it on our Three Point Pod Twitter site. It's on your uh, Twitter page also, at Lucy Rodine TV. So if you want to go see the video yourself, there it is. But just go ahead and, and let our listeners know who haven't seen it. What were your initial reactions to Mark D'Antonio retiring? So um, I have been making this show called Big Ten Blitz for uh, over a year now, and it's a satirical comedy show um, about Big Ten athletics. Uh, the Daily Show of the Big Ten Sports. Uh, I've been doing it for a while, and I have thought for a long time that Mark D'Antonio was done at the end of this year. After the pinstripe bowl, I just figured he's, he's calling it. And so when I got the news that D'Antonio was was leaving, uh, did some research, and I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. He got a, a $4.3 million bonus three weeks ago as a retention bonus, and he's taking that and going. And then, of course, the night before, there's, allegations that are surface that the Michigan State football program is getting sued for for NCAA violations, uh, which is the timing is just, I mean, come on. You have to look at this timing and question absolutely all of it. And so that's what I did. I sat down and I said, here's what, what we have in front of us. This timing, it adds up to equal this. So I let people know that I thought it was a pretty shady move um, and that I've always kind of not – felt that Mark D'Antonio was the most upstanding Big Ten coach. Um, and Michigan State clearly is not the most upstanding Big Ten university. So I just put this two-minute video together just saying, here's what happened, here are my thoughts. And I did it with some, some jokes, some humor in there. And uh, a lot of people liked it. And a lot of people <laughs> very much did not like it. <laughs> Probably in East Lansing, I assume. Oh, yeah. I am never welcome back in East Lansing again. I, I have... And I'm fine with that. I don't want to go back, but <laughs> never welcome back in East Lansing again. So do you think it was it was planned that he was going to retire right after he got that bonus, or do you think it was the suspension? What do you think it was that kind of resulted in the timing of him retiring now? I have had it in my mind that after the pinstripe bowl, that was his last game. Like, I knew that it was going to be his last game. I think that it was planned to retire after he would get the retention bonus. And who would blame him? Like, what, what you're going to just yeah. only give up $4 million? I would take it. Uh, and then what I thought was the real reason he was gone was the fact that allegations came out the night before. Like, you cannot the night before. That is just so suspect. So I thought that that was kind of the real trigger point for it, but I always assumed, like, I was surprised he was still head coach, but then I found out about the retention bonus, and then it made sense. Yeah, I was on board with that, you know, before the season was even over. Uh, when uh, before the last couple of games, I mean, he looked like a beaten man to me at that point. But again, it was brought up here on this podcast. There's no way that he's leaving without that $4.3 million. Now, I think, Matt, we've all discussed it on Twitter and, and in person. He could have worked out a deal with the university in advance, you know, to get either that pay or a good portion of that pay and, and, you know, bailed out at the proper time. The timing of this was just absolutely horrendous for the Spartan program. It also happened the day before National Sign Day, which, oh, my God, that that made, like, why would you, oh, that, that was the part that I think kind of got me the most is because, like, you're sitting here trying to get in a recruiting class, and these kids think they're going to be playing football for Mark D'Antonio, and they are not anymore. And they find that out the day before National Signing Day? Oh, my God, like, the timing, it just gets worse and worse the more you think about it. 
Yeah, and especially now seeing what has happened with their coaching search. We're recording this on Monday night, so we know you know, Luke Fickle is the most recent one to turn down the job. So seeing how their coaching search is going, that's what makes it seem like the timing was just terrible. So late, kind of into the off season. Just, it's not a good look right now, but you talked about not being welcomed back in East Lansing because of the video that you made about D'Antonio, and, and I said that's kind of how I came across it because it was going viral, if you want to say that. We've, we've caught the wrath a few times, me specifically, uh, on Twitter and social media from, from Spartan Twitter and other, you know, Facebook, Instagram or whatever. What was your reaction to making that video? You probably knew that it was going to catch some attention, but getting the response that you did from Spartan Twitter, what, what did you, well, how did that make you feel? Well, I actually really did not think it was going to go off the way it did. Um, so I make those shows once a week, and I would say normally they average 3,000 to 10,000 views. And for a college student, I think that's pretty great. So, yeah. But normally it's just that, and my following is, is mainly Iowa fans. Um, I've had videos go viral in the past, uh, and I've had fan bases very angry at me before. Um, Iowa State, I am also not welcome in Ames or Lincoln, Nebraska. Those are two places that I don't want anything to do with me. Um, but I had never received backlash uh, for a video the way that I did with Michigan State fans. Um, it was, I think, like, so I made a video a few months ago where I went to Ames and I dressed up as an Iowa State student. Like, I went to the student store, bought some questions, and asked, or bought a teacher, excuse me, and then I asked students questions that made them look really stupid. Um, so I asked some questions like, how great is A.J. Epinesa going to play against Iowa, even though he was an Iowa player? <laughs> or how awesome is Ricky Stanzi as, like, the best Iowa State legend of all time? Students so like, oh, yeah, we love Ricky Stanzi so much, but Ricky Stanzi is a former Iowa quarterback. Yeah. And so that went viral, and I got a lot of mean stuff, but I never got, like, the type of intentional, like, angry hate that I got this past week, I was getting death threats and people wow. were calling me out and saying stuff about my family and my looks and my appearance and calling me very not nice names that I'm not going to repeat on this podcast. But I think that I've never had a fan base so, like, willing to attack me. Like, the Iowa State fans were incredibly upset with me, but they were upset with my video. And, yeah, they were like, you're stupid, you suck. But none of them were like, go die. Now, do you wear that kind of as a badge of honor, or does it freak you out? It it doesn't freak me out, um, just because I had had, like, the previous viral moments with, like, Iowa State and Nebraska, so I've already dealt with that. Uh, it, like, when someone tweets at me to go die, like, my first instinct is, man, I'm so sorry for whatever happened to you as a child that made you this way. Like, I'm really sorry. Uh, it freaks my parents out, like, my siblings sure. out. Like, it's it's not fun to have to get a phone call from my dad. It's like, hey, be careful today. Like, I saw a lot of people were tweeting at you to die. Um, <laughs> but, like, for me, that stuff, like, doesn't phase me. I, I know the type of content I'm creating, and that's content that's going to make people really mad. It's going to make people laugh, and a lot of people are going to really, really love it, and a lot of people are going to really, really hate it. But I would say that out of all the fan bases I've upset, and there are a lot of fan bases I have upset, Michigan State fans are for sure the angriest and the nastiest. So, so uh, they talked about that a little bit. Like Luke Fickle, with, with the reason why he turned down the Michigan State job was because of the culture on Michigan State's campus. What do you think the fact that a coach at Cincinnati turned down like a big job like Michigan State? What do you think that says about Michigan State? And like, who do you think is like going to be the eventual replacement of Mark D'Antonio? Oh man, I, it says so much about Michigan State. I like. 
I think like with my reaction to the video, everyone's immediate response was like you're like to attack me and what I was saying, and that's fine if you don't like it, but you have to acknowledge that everything I said shows that there is a major problem at your university, and your university used to be one of the most esteemed in the country, and you've gone through all these horrible things that have happened that have just tarnished the name. And so it shows that there is a huge problem in the athletic department there. Like, you have got to get stuff together if a coach from Cincinnati is not going to leave for a Big Ten job. Like, that is insane to me, and it shows how bad things are at Michigan State. It honestly tells me that things are much worse than we know about because, like, you're going to give up that money, that that power five opportunity. Uh, It's just insane for me. And so I don't know who's going to go to Michigan State at this point because Michigan State fans were set on uh, Pat Narduzzi coming back, and he was, nope. Uh, And then Luke Fickle to say no. Uh, The latest tweet I saw was that Brett Bielema was interested, which is a train wreck just waiting to happen. Um, so I'm a fan of that option. I think that would be a lot of fun. But I cannot tell you who's going to end up there because it's just it's so late in the year and that program has so many problems and they're so public now that it's just it's hard to find someone who's going to want that job. You know, it's really interesting, Lucy. You're bringing some good stuff on the table here. It's, it's interesting to hear the pers- perspective of, uh, first of all, a rival of the Spartans and Wolverines, right, Iowa, and also a female. And, you know, sitting back and watching what went down at that university the last couple of years, can you put it in words a little bit, uh, uh, you know, scratching your head saying, you kind of did say it, the athletic program has to maybe start over completely, right? Oh, they, I mean, they absolutely have to. Like, that That university is going to be tarnished forever. And the best, I, mean, they, they, I know they fired a lot of people and got rid of it, but it's like, you have got to make sure that the people and the policies that you're putting in place afterwards completely negate everything that you've done before. Like, that university is just – I saw someone tweet about it today, a Michigan statement. It is a – like, that athletic department is a garbage fire right now because they took this whole – the Larry Nasser scandal, all that stuff, ruined that university. And they just have not found a way to to redeem themselves, to get better, to, to clean house, to find ways to, you know, not be a – an awful institution and like like in terms of morality and ethics and so i think it's it's a it's got to start from the top obviously because like with luke fickle not going it shows how bad things really are and that it starts with the top i mean god bless those university administrators because they have a lot of work ahead of them maybe they need to take a blueprint from penn state i don't know all the ins and outs but i mean that that uh program was on the verge of the death penalty with the Sandusky scandal, and they've turned things around there, and you've, you virtually never hear about that anymore. Uh, I think they ought to look maybe at that that kind of plan. I mean, let's, let's face it. They bring in John Angler to be the president of the university after that whole scandal broke. I mean, that was a ridiculous move in the first place. No, I agree with that totally, because you look at uh, I look at James Franklin in that hire. He was a, a guy at Vanderbilt, um, and I, I've gone to big media days and stuff like that. And he talks and the way he presents himself and acts and stuff like that. He is the perfect person to hang that program on because he is a very ethical, moral, respectable dude, and that's what Michigan State needs right now. They need people that are respected, and that's why Brett Bielema would be an awful hire, uh, just awful. I mean, you just got a clean house. Like it's, I feel like there's really no other solution at this point just because things are so bad. And Michigan State fans,
be one of my first reactions when I saw I, I honestly thought Fickle was going to accept the position. I thought the money, the upgrade as far as, you know, going to a Power 5 conference was going to be too much for him to turn down. He's doing well at Cincinnati, but, you know, Michigan State, as, as many shots as you want to take, it would still be an upgrade of a job for him. But, yeah, my first reaction was, man, this should be a slap in the face that they need to almost like – just throw it all out and start from scratch. And, you know, even if, if it's going to take three or four years, so be it. Let's make it clean. Let's really turn this program around. And the other thought that I had was, even though Harbaugh's only been there for five years and he catches a lot of flack, it made me as a Michigan fan kind of appreciate a little more having a coach like Jim Harbaugh who is a little more stable. You know, you don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, but it seems like he's trying to run a clean program. But even more so for you, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. I mean, he's been at Iowa since 1999, and if there's a coach in college football that is someone that you would want to model your program after, it would be Kirk Ferentz, right? A hundred percent. Kirk Ferentz coached his first game at Iowa a month after I was born, <laughs> um, which is just crazy to think about. Um, but no, I had. I remember I had a lot of Michigan State fans tweeting a lot of angry things at me, and I got a couple of them trying to call out Kirk Ferentz for stuff. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, well, Kirk Ferentz has a losing season every three years and, and whatever, like, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, no, he doesn't, first of all. Kirk Ferentz consistently wins. He does. He handles the program the right way, and it's just like you always know what you're going to get. Like, the stability is, that Iowa has, I think, is the most, like, impressive recruiting tactic we have is because you always know who's going to be there. And it's as fans, you appreciate appreciate it so much that I know that I am never going to turn on my TV and see a Kirk Ferentz scandal. Like, that is just not going to happen, and I think that is so beautiful. He had a scandal. I think it's actually super funny. He had, like, a big scandal. Um, I'm doing air quotes around the word big right now. Like, two years ago um, because he was getting sued because his neighbor was mad at him for paving over the driveway. It was something so stupid like that, and that was a Kirk Ferentz scandal. Like, it's so beautiful to me that I'm never going to have to worry about this other stuff and that we run our programs the right way. And I think it, it shows in our players, it shows in our results, and like our fans love it and we embrace it so much. To kind of shift gears a little bit to uh, college basketball, you're a native of uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Is the Duke versus North Carolina ri- rivalry the best in sports, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is, it's my favorite game. Of all any sport all year long, like when I was in in high school and stuff like that, I always thought it was interesting. Like my high school would never schedule games the same night as UNC because you just couldn't have something else mm-hmm. distracting you from the big game. It was the whole town was shut down. You know that if you were going to be out anywhere, it was only at a sports bar and that was it. And it was everything. You'd show up to school. And if you were wearing the wrong shade of blue to somebody, like, you couldn't talk to them. It is such an unreal, beautiful rivalry that I appreciate so much, and I'm so happy that I got to grow up and be around. Uh, And then another great uh, sporting event. You've covered the Iowa Sailing Club. Can you, what exactly, what was that like, and what did you do? Uh, So that was really cool. So you don't usually associate Iowa with sailing at all. Uh, but, yeah, so I've covered the Iowa Sailing Club. It's just the – I reached out to him, was like, hey, like I would love to see what you guys do. And so we don't have – we have the Iowa River that runs through campus, but we don't, really don't have, like, a large body of water nearby. So we had to drive, like, 30 minutes out to this, like, little lake out there. And so they have all these sailboats. And so 
students will just come, they'll join this club, and they'll all bus out to this little lake and sail around, uh, and then they'll go to compete in regattas and competitions and stuff like that. Uh, and it's a really cool, like, deal, and it's just, like, weird little nifty things you don't realize that are going on at your school, but we have a sailing club. Pretty cool. Well, uh, Lucy, listen, we've taken enough of your time, but I'll tell you what, if you don't mind being our special Iowa correspondent, we'd love to check in with you again periodically down the road, if that'd be all right. Oh, absolutely. I love talking about Iowa so much, so anytime. All right, before we let you go, tell our listeners uh, best way to follow you, and I would expect you might get a little bit more response from our friends over in East Lansing also. Oh, what else can they say to me at this point? (laughs) If you guys want to follow me, the best way to interact with me is on Twitter, uh, and you can follow me at Lucy Rodine TV, and that's spelled R-O-H-D-E-N. And so, yeah, you guys can find me. There's a lot of Michigan fans who like me a lot now, though. (laughs) I bet. And also, uh, you you said you're in your last year at Iowa. What are you going to end up with a degree? Uh, I'll have a degree in journalism. Awesome. Jared, there you go. Somebody else. Yep, same, same degree, journalism, yep. All right, Lucy, thanks again for the time, and we really appreciate it. No, thank you guys so much for having me. It was great talking to y'all. Wow, guys, that uh, that chat with Lucy, that was a lot of fun. It's really neat to hear what's going on there in Iowa, but, boy, you just never know what you put out there is going to go viral. That was pretty, pretty neat stuff, wasn't it? All right, well, you know, everybody also likes a great deal, right? Well, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is jam-packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Stop in on South Washington Street in Owasso this coming Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day from 11 to 2. They're going to have an awesome customer appreciation luncheon. While you're there, you can uh, you can check out what's on the floor. But Troy Crow and the gang over there does a tremendous job, and we certainly do appreciate their support here on Three Point Podcast. Speaking of that, looking for some fun? Stop into Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Cheer on the Spartans, Wolverines, Red Wings, and Pistons, over 20 high-def TVs and awesome food and drink. Come on in on Thursday nights at 6.30 for their weekly. They've changed the name. It's called My Viewpoint Show. It was formerly Opinion Nation. It's similar to Family Feud and Trivial Pursuit. With great prizes and the very best part, it's free to play. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. All right, guys, let's t- let's start this segment. A little bit of uh, Michigan, Michigan State basketball. The Wolverines picked up the win on Saturday, 77-68. Jeff Jackson led the way with 16. Isaiah Livers, 14. But uh, that was an intense game. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it in depth, Jared. I know Matt and I did. It was... It was brutal. It was, and it was good to see Michigan back. Being a Michigan fan with livers and uh, the intensity was big time there. Yeah, I had a chance to watch it uh, on replay actually, and my biggest takeaway was it's about damn time we didn't just let Cassius Winston do whatever he wanted. I mean, I know that we had the debate that Xavier Simpson isn't quite on Cassius Winston's level, and I do still think that that's true. But it's about time that we kind of had a game plan that was basically. Shut down Cassius Winston, force the Foster lawyers, the the Aaron Henrys of the world to beat us, and this is what's going to happen, which is pretty much Michigan State couldn't score. Yeah, and, and speaking of not scoring, you you said you kind of teed it up, Ted. The beginning of the game, 
was just intense. You, you could have, you said you watched the game, Jared, on like replay or whatever. You could have fast forward through what the first ten minutes, yeah. Yeah. and you wouldn't have missed anything because it was ugly at first. Oh. But, yeah, it, I mean it was like a classic, whatever Big Ten battle, and it was nice to see. We we said it before. Would Isaiah Livers being on the roster put Michigan in first place in the Big Ten? You know, maybe not that, but they're clearly a better team with him out there. You know, he's a, he's a good scorer. He's the best scorer on the team. But, like, the spacing is just better. You know, you're not asking Jeff Jackson to go out and score 25 points, <laughs> which, you know, we I feel like we have to adjust the whole Jeff Jackson yeah. thing. But, yes. you know, it was just nice to see, like, a team effort. The scoring was spread out. You're not asking just Teske to score 25. You're not asking just Simpson to shoot 25 shots. It's a spread out balance scoring it was maybe like a teaser it made me think like man is this the michigan team we're going to see the rest of the year well don't forget too you know it's not just offense and the and the spreading the ball around livers plays pretty good defense and that makes a big difference as well yeah yeah livers is a big addition to the team i do think that we are obviously a lot better when he is playing but my takeaway wasn't necessarily oh michigan's a really good team it was kind of that these are two teams that are really kind of not very good I mean, you mentioned that 10-minute stretch right at the start of the game, Matt. I mean, neither team could buy a bucket. I do think that they are solid teams, but in regards as to, like, Michigan State preseason number one, clearly that was wrong. And Michigan, I'm not sure if they're, you know, maybe they're win, have a little bit of fun in the tournament, win one game, and then get bounced. I mean, I just don't think they're even anywhere near as good as they were simply last year. I think the tournament thing is interesting because mm-hmm. – I mean, we all know a, a huge thing. you got to have scoring and stuff like that. But a huge thing when it comes to the tournament is experience. And that is one thing that Michigan has. You know, whether you want to knock Xavier Simpson or Teske or some of these guys, they've been there. And then they've played in a national championship game. So they've, they've been in the tournament making deep runs. So I, I think if they're fully healthy, they have the potential to, you know, make a, a little noise. I'm not necessarily saying a Final Four run, but, you know, win a couple games, make it to the second weekend. And that's kind of the same with Michigan State, with Cassius Winston. He's kind of been struggling basically since they beat Michigan a few weeks ago. He's been struggling quite a bit. But, you know, I'll be curious to see what they do. One thing that I, I did notice, and we tweeted out, but, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, you know, we kind of ripped on Matt McQuaid last year and some of the other role players that they had, you know, just kind of like taking shots at them. We, we know how good they were. But, you see, like, we're not having those guys, how big they are missed, because Winston was kind of, like, kicking the ball out to Tillman to shoot a three. That's not really his thing. Or, you know, you got, like, Henry, who's not really, like, finding a groove. And some of these other guys, whereas last year, he was that was McQuaid knocking down all those shots. Kenny Goins knocks down that huge shot against Duke last year. So, like, you can see that this roster for Michigan State, you know, when they're having to rely on Foster Lawyer, who looks like a JV player out there, you know, it's... They, they might be in a little trouble. Yeah, I was going to comment on that, actually. I had it in my notes. I mean, I don't want to be the mean guy, but Foster Lawyer was a good high school player, but he's a good Mac player at the best. I That's don't think, no, right I there. disagree with you. Oh, no I way. Think, I, do you remember watching him in high school? I mean, you can't take away somebody when he can shoot. I mean, he can flat out shoot the ball, and you just almost don't even see that at Michigan State. They don't, they're not shoot. running screens for him. They're not letting him shoot. I think that comes down to Izzo. What's, because if you remember when Foster Lawyer committed – it was almost like, why don't you go to Michigan and John Beeline's system where you can – you're telling me that Spike Albert is much better athlete than Foster Lawyer? I don't think so. I think that if Foster Lawyer goes to the right system, like a John Beeline Michigan coach system, I think he'd be like a Spike Albert. I, I disagree, really. I just don't think he's – I don't think he's big enough. He can't, he can't manufacture his own shot. He's a good player, like I said, for the Mac. I just don't see him being that big a contributor in the Big Ten. <laughs> Sorry. 
I don't think he is a significant player, especially for a program with expectations like MSU. You know, you're supposed to be the backup to Cassius Winston, who's a National Player of the Year candidate. You know, like that—that's my biggest thing. He just—he doesn't look like a shot creator. He just looks like a guy out there who's just trying to like run the offense. And you know, maybe in his third year, he'll make a step up next year. But you know, you just see some of those those spots. Tillman kind of struggled against Michigan, so you just see like if you're only solely relying on Cassius Winston like it has caught up to him a little bit because even like when Trey Burke was at Michigan and you know he won national player of the year and he was carrying the Wolverines like they still had Nick Stauskas they still had Tim Hardaway they still I mean that team was like ridiculously stacked so kind of like Michigan State's team last year so you can have a great player like Winston but you need some role players to step up well you know and you go back to Michigan for a minute and you see the players that have kind of stepped up and earned their playing time now like John's out of Lansing Austin Davis I mean he's got that banged up shoulder but he gives them some bulk down low where they weren't really getting it coming off the bench by Castleton and uh, Julius He's giving them some good minutes. Yeah, I mean, Michigan is, is looks like they're kind of peaking at the right time, and Michigan State is not looking good. But then again, I mean, they did lose, and this is what every Michigan State fan will tell you, they lost three games in a row right around this time last year and ended up ripping all the way to a Final Four run. I think as long as you have Cassius Winston on your roster, you can't call yourself dead, especially in, like, NCAA tournament where it's so guard-driven. But it is a little bit like I found Michigan State. I mean, I just saw the stat today. This is only the second time since like 1960 or something like that, where the number preseason number one team has completely fell on, fallen out of the rankings. I mean, I think it might be time to sort of hit the panic button if you're Michigan State. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If you if you look at their resume, their, their resume isn't that strong. I mean, they were sitting at the top of the Big Ten for a while, but they hadn't played some of the some of the teams that are also at the top of the Big Ten, and they didn't have the signature wins. Uh, in the in the preseason, you know the the pre Big Ten play this year, they beat Seton Hall. That's that's their big like signature win, which is a good win. But overall, like even though Michigan has more losses, really Michigan's resume is stronger than Michigan State's at this point. So that's probably why MSU dropped out of the top twenty-five. But yeah, like you said, Jared. I mean, all all you need for Cash is you know, hopefully he's like healthy, fresh. You know everything that he's been through because all you need for him is to get fresh. Get hot come tournament time, and they'll be fine. Kind of like you know, remember a couple years ago when Derek Walton kind of got hot for that stretch run for Michigan, and they made a run to the Sweet 16 and stuff. Like Cassius Winston gets hot, and a couple of the other role players just do enough. I mean, Michigan State's going to be right there, but I mean, he he has been struggling, and I mean, I think he's basically fallen out of the, the Player of the Year. Yeah. Unless he turns it on this last month, but you know, he, he's not going to win that award, so. It's also like the Big Ten. Like, what the hell is going on with the Big Ten? <laughs> well, absolutely. I, I did want to get this out there, too, real quick about uh, Jawan Howard. You know, he, he survived uh, the rough patch they went through. How, how far does that win at Chrysler go for uh, for his confidence the rest of this season? You know, I mean, it's, it, that was a big win for Coach Howard. I think it's huge because we just saw it. Beeline couldn't do it. We had three cracks on these guys last year and couldn't beat them once. I mean, it's just almost like the monkey off your bat where in year one he's already able to kind of – I mean, we're still looking at it with Jim Harbaugh in Ohio State where something like that, if it kind of builds a little bit, I'm yeah. sure it can affect your psyche. But, I mean, if you ask Tom Izzo, I mean, he didn't—he doesn't really deserve any of the credit. I mean, basically anything Michigan did, he basically discredited. I mean, for example, one of his quotes, maybe their worst three-point shooter, goes four for seven. He's talking about Jeff Jackson there. So give him credit. I mean, there be 
I do think that there actually might be a little bit of negative energy between Tom Izzo and Juwan Howard, and I'm a huge fan of that. It didn't, you know, it didn't look like it after the game when they when they uh, you know shook hands after the game. But I guess you can't always read that. Uh, but you bring up Jeff Jackson. Is this a good point to uh, d- break that down a little bit? I just have one. Yeah, uh, we can jump right into it. But I just have one more thing. I mean, we both, we all three of us, kind of had the chance to watch their post game press conference where Tom Izzo basically said, "Dude, his fr- his freshmen, they just aren't ready." Quote unquote. <laughs> I mean, what do we think of Tom Izzo's press conference where basically they also asked him, you know, what sort of difference did Isaiah Livers make, and he makes the comment. Well, what kind of team would we be if we had Josh Langford? Yeah. In my opinion, it's time for you to maybe close the book on the whole Josh Langford era of the Michigan yeah. State program. I and mean, we haven't seen him play in over a year. Right. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that. Um, you know, how do we feel? I know you're you're a big Tom Izzo fan, uh, Ted. And yeah. I respect him. I mean, it's not. I'm just. I'm not a fan. I can't stand the guy watching him on the sidelines, his antics, mm-hmm. the way he, he yells at the refs and yells at his players. I just can't stand it. But – the thing that bothers me the most is the post-game stuff. Like, Jared, you already said it. He, even, he was taking shots at Winston. He takes shots at Tillman. He uses excuse like Tillman's hurt and stuff. And he, it seems like, you know, you see, like, there, there was a video that went viral during football season. P.J. Fleck, after one of their losses, he put all the blame on himself. And you see a lot of coaches do that. You know, they put all the, take, take all the focus away from the players, and they say, I've got to do a better job. My staff has to do a better job. We have to put these players in position to succeed. We have to, you know, condition them better. We have to do all this. They put all the focus on themselves. Izzo constantly throws his players under the bus. And, again, it's one of those things where that fan base, they will never say anything bad about Izzo. I mean, he's, he's a legendary coach, so I, I do understand that. But, like, I, I don't understand how they don't see him constantly throwing his players under the bus. I agree with you. It is kind of jaw-dropping to see him do that when, like you mentioned, B.J. Fleck and other coaches don't do that. But he's to the point where Izzo can do almost no wrong in Michigan State fans' eyes and kind of in my eyes as well. I mean, he's the last Big Ten coach to win a title 20 years ago, as crazy as that is is to say. But I think he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's smarter than us, so that's what makes me think maybe he's just kind of – he's purposely – going after his players to the press to try to change something because God knows they need to change something because what they're doing isn't working. I think that's part of it for sure. And, and it's not like he's never thrown himself under the bus. I mean, he's criticized you know, some of his uh, coaching strategies at time, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, that's, that's the way he is. I think sometimes he's just brutally honest. That's how he is. That's Tom Izzo. He's old school. He, he uses that as motivation for these kids. I mean, I'll tell you what. They don't seem to hold it against him, do they? No, I mean, the, not just the fan base. I don't think there's – maybe maybe there is one out there, but I don't think there's any former players who don't just praise Tom Izzo and everything that, you know, he did for them when they were there playing basketball for him. So, so yeah, I mean, I understand that. It's just Maybe it's just something that, like, rubs me the wrong yeah. way because I, I would feel like I would like to see a coach. I mean, even John Howard, I know he's only been there for a cup of coffee, but – all he talks about is he he takes all the pressure, all the the focus away from his players, and you know tries to put all the blame and all the focus on himself, trying to learn as a coach and grow as a coach. So, I really love it's just what one of those things that maybe rubs me the wrong way. I do love what I see out of Juwan Juwan when he's talking after a game and in an interview and whatnot. I mean, he he talks from the heart also, but it's uh, it comes from a little different spot than Izzo, if you know what I mean. I mean, you know, he he had all those years in the NBA. He also was an assistant coach in the NBA. He gets it. 
he gets it. He gets it really from the player's perspective. I think maybe a little bit better than Izzo. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so for those who don't know, the Xavier Simpson quote in quotations, uh, Jeff Jackson. <laughs> story Uh, i'll just run through it real quick so basically what happened was uh this was last tuesday night after their game against illinois where basically what happened was a car was crashed at 3 a.m in ann arbor uh the car was listed under ward ward manuals uh wife uh her name but it was actually her son who was a manager on michigan's basketball team and and when you know it xavier simpson is there on the scene when cops come up and he basically says you know my name's jeff jackson i'm not xavier simpson or well they knew he was xavier simpson so they ended up kind of calling his bs but i just wonder and they, they didn't smell alcohol on him he didn't get breathalyzed or anything like that but why do you guys think he gave the fake name i mean if i'm being unbiased here and i look at this if i'm like a michigan state fan i mean Something was definitely up where he felt the need to give a fake name to the police. Well, first of all, I didn't. Re- I forgot it was Tuesday night. I mean, it's a Tuesday night, three o'clock in the morning. Usually, good things don't happen. You did crash the AD's car, whether you were drinking or not drinking. I mean, that's a that's a bad look. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, you know, people were right when they saw that that car was registered to the AD. Immediately, of course, people jump on it and are like, "Oh man, look what Michigan's doing! Their AD is giving cars." Well, like, That's it's one of those things where people have talked about it a lot. That it's out there. The story has been out there. But the car, it, yes, it was registered to the AD, but it was their son's car. And he's a manager on the basketball team, and him and Xavier Simpson, I guess, are close friends. So. He was letting Simpson, Jeff Jackson, borrow the car, who was registered to his dad, who was also the AD. So it, it's kind of like a weird cycle or whatever. But, like, if you think about it, I mean, like, my first car my parents bought for me and I drove for 13 years was, I guess, technically, if you want to say, it was their car because it was registered to them. But, you know, there were times I let a friend borrow it if they needed to run an errand or do something. So, like... You know, if they would have gotten in an accident, it would have been that same story. Like, oh, you crashed, you know, my parents' car. But, like, really, it's my car. So, like, that whole thing, that, that didn't bother me at all. I didn't look into that at all. The biggest thing to me was, I mean, Jared, you already said it. They didn't, they didn't smell alcohol on them. They didn't suspect alcohol. Like, that would be when it's 3 in the morning. I guess, you know, that's what you kind of think about. All right, is he, is he coming home from the bar, you know, doing something like that? But, Jared, you're in college. I mean, Ted, you remember college. It was a while ago, but oh, you yeah. remember. Yeah, and I know that basketball players, athletes have curfews. But staying out till 2 or 3 in the morning when you're in college, that's just the norm. Sure. I mean, like, like people were, like, blowing up. How was he out at 3 in the morning? Oh, my God, that's terrible. Like, do you remember what it was like to be in college? Like, I, I don't know if I ever went to bed before, like, midnight <laughs> or whatever when I was in college. Yeah, I so, like, Even that doesn't bother me. It, it was just, you know, it was just like a culmination of things. Why he, he lied, I, honestly, as long as he wasn't drunk and as long as all that stuff was, like, fine, he just got into an accident. I think he was just a dumb college kid that was trying to cover up what he did. It's all blown. Yeah, I think it might have been, uh, like, a curfew type thing where he knew, like, I'm probably getting suspended for a game for yep. team rules if they know I'm out past curfew. But it does make me a little bit suspicious when these these the police know it's Xavier Simpson and then they decide not to breathalyze him. I know he probably wasn't drunk, but I do wonder if maybe he had marijuana in his system or he was high or something like that. I mean, it's just how do you not think that when you crash a car and you give a fake name I know. to the police officers? That's what, like, why, why would he give the fake name? I don't understand that. Well, of course, well, 
you, you have to wonder if, you know, maybe just he freaked out. You know, I don't know. But, right, I think the curfew thing, he was maybe thinking, like, hey, maybe if I get a fake name, I'll just be able to walk away from this. But I bet he also knew that it was Ward Manuel's car that, you know, his, his son, his buddy was driving. So he probably was thinking curfew and, holy shit, I'm driving our AD's car and I just crashed it. Like, I got to try and get out of this. I mean, college kids do dumb stuff. I think you, you forget about that, too. I mean, yes, he's a senior. You know, he's a leader of the basketball team, all that stuff. He's also a, a college kid. Like, I, I more just think, I don't know. I'm, I'm not up there in Michigan. Are the roads icy? Like, maybe he's just slid off the road and hit a, a light pole. Like, you know, I. That was the story. You know, yeah, you know, so who knows? It's funny, though. You know, he gives a fake name. And like you said, he's a college kid, I guess. I, I guess you're not thinking at that point. You know what? They're gonna look. They're gonna ask me for my license, no matter what, <laughs> right? And, 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 and I will say this though: if, if this story was about an MSU player, like let's say this happens to, I don't know, Cassius Winston or something like that, I do think the coverage would be like much different than we've seen. I mean, I feel like it'd be a lot bigger deal, be almost blown out of proportion. We kind of saw it with LJ Scott, and like he had a couple speeding tickets. I mean, I do think that Xavier Simpson kind of seems like he's a really good guy, like almost a model citizen until this point. But I do think if he was wearing a Michigan State jersey, he'd be covered a little bit differently. Oh, probably. And there's been a lot of talk about that, how it had been handled in East Lansing as compared to Ann Arbor. And there's probably some truth to that. Whose fault is that, though? No, I know. I know. Only Michigan State's fault. You know, there, there's a reason for people to be suspicious of a Michigan State basketball player or a Michigan State football player getting away with something. But I, th- I, yeah, think, I, agree there. I think at times, though, uh, the perception out there is the police over in Lansing, East Lansing, don't cut brakes like they do in Ann Arbor. Have you ever heard that? I don't know if that's true. Well, I'm just I saying that I, I said the perception. I didn't say it's true. Yeah. I think that this, I mean, we saw with Aaron Hernandez. It's the same sort of thing. They're talking about how this sort of stuff happens and happened in Florida and. Maybe that led to why he thought he was kind of above the law right, or whatever. Right. You do have to wonder about that with something like this. That's very true. Happens everywhere. Maybe before we move on from Jeff Jackson, yeah. I will say this. I'm glad that game against Michigan State wasn't at the Breslin Center because <laughs> they would have been heckling the hell out of Jeff Jackson. You would have heard <laughs> Jeff Jackson the whole game. <laughs> You're right. It would have been it would have been tough to take, without a doubt. Hey, before we move off of college basketball. Uh, did you guys have thoughts on uh, Bobby Knight returning back to Bloomington after 20 years? What you, did you? I see? thought it was. I know he gets a lot of hate. Like a lot of people, he's one of those guys you kind of either love him or hate him. Yep. But I don't know how you don't watch him and watch him almost break down in tears. There's something about a guy like him who, like you see with like a Nick Saban or Bill Belichick, where if they ever like break down and started crying at a reunion or something, I mean, how does it not? teary up when you see this larger than life character who's always been a grump kind of break down and lose it i mean it just it was an incredible moment it really was with all the former players there and uh yeah and and not only that i don't think his health is very good if you watched him up close it did, he didn't look like uh he was doing too well but it was a classic moment for sure for all those iu fans it was and obviously he has you know a little bit of a checkered past i guess with you know, there's there's some stuff about how maybe he treated some players or the oh, referees yeah. or some some stuff like that. So some people, that's kind of maybe why he hadn't been back to Bloomington in so long. Because even though he's one of the best college coaches ever, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't have the best reputation. But you know, it's like one of those things. Uh, I kind of forget who we were talking about recently. But you know, like how long are you gonna like hold this guy, hold like some of the things he did in his past against him? Uh, I think we were talking about Pete Rose maybe. But anyway, yeah. you're like you know, okay. 
maybe he did some bad stuff, but like he had such an impact on that community and that university. Like that that was a huge moment for him. You know, maybe seeing his seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, an old guy saying like, "Hey, I want to come make amends. I want to go make an appearance. See some of my former players." You know, I, I did see some people saying like, "He should never be welcomed back in Indiana." It's like, come on, like. Give the old man his credit, you know. Yeah, I think the majority of Hoosier fans loved it, and, you know, he'll be revered forever. Yeah, you're always going to have your detractors. Obviously, he was a bully to certain players, but when you see the love that came back with all the players that respected him for the way that he that he did coach him up, uh, that was very cool to see in my mind. You know, and, and we talked with uh, Lucy a little bit about it bef- before we move on. But uh, Duke beat North Carolina in overtime. Did you did you see that? And boy, that's a hell of a rivalry. The the, the stat that came out was basically these teams are fifty and fifty against each other, and the same exact amount of total points scored over the last I know one hundred games. I mean, that's what a rivalry should be. It's not Ohio State Michigan where Ohio State's winning twenty out of. 21 games it's not that it's, it's this duke versus north carolina just two blue buds who are literally on the same exact level and, and what can you say about the game i mean trey jones oh. that's something that play like people will say oh it's luck but that's something you practice i mean those college teams they have they run through every scenario and he just perfectly missed that free throw and just when you have it, you made the shot right at the buzzer. Just yeah. an incredible game. Just to describe it, he fired it off the front of the rim, and he even practiced it to where it would bounce to the side. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah, it was an incredible play and just an awesome game. And it's crazy, too, because, like like you guys were saying, the stats, how even that rivalry is. But, like, this is year, like, UNC is kind of down a little bit. But in, in a lot of my, down here in Carolina, a lot of my coworkers and friends who are Carolina fans, they were basically writing them off, thinking Duke was going to run them out of the gym. But you know they were going to get up for that game. This is like their Super Bowl, if you want to say it like that. Yeah. And, you know, it is, it's interesting to me. I've been down here now for four years or whatever, so long enough to kind of get a vibe on, on the rivalry. It's funny to see, and, you know, I think nationally, I think most people know this, but talking to people who grew up here, UNC, people kind of look at them as kind of like the everyman school, like, you know, the, the blue-collar school, North Carolina. Duke is more like the elitist, and it is so funny to sit back, you know, because the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry and even Michigan-Ohio State, you know, being a part of it, getting in, into debates, getting into arguments, whatever you want to say, it's cool to sit here and look at people argue about Duke-UNC and just almost like sit back with my popcorn and, and watch it. <laughs> watch it, yeah. Well, it was a hell of a game for sure. And, and for me, it was kind of like welcome back college basketball i mean we when football season's going on it's a little bit more difficult to kind of get fully immersed into the college basketball uh world but now that the nfl is done it's just kind of like what a perfect saturday like with michigan beating michigan state and then just an all-time duke north carolina game to kind of bring us back you know that's a perfect perfect segue to talking a little bit just a little bit about the xfl did you get a chance to check any of the football and what are your thoughts I was checking in and out. I, d- I didn't watch a whole game, but I was definitely flipping yeah, back and forth. And I wanted to see what it was about. And I, I definitely think, you know, there's been a lot of these leagues try and start up and compete with the NFL. I don't think the XFL is necessarily trying to compete with the with the NFL. I think the biggest thing, one, one big thing they have going for them is it's on TV. Some of these other leagues have tried to get going and they don't have TV deals. And then they, you know, no one's going to watch it. No one's going to pay whatever subscription they have to pay to watch it. These are on, these are on, you know, ESPN and ABC and other networks and stuff like that. So people are going to be able to watch it easily. And I think some of the some of the kind of wrinkles that they have in the rules are, are actually kind of cool. The kickoff rule, I think, is actually something that the NFL could look into. 
but getting to hear the coaches talk, getting to hear, you know, during a review, an instant replay review, getting to hear that whole discussion is cool, you know, the more transparency. I think it's all stuff that could make the XFL stick around. What it always comes down to, though, and what we've talked about is the football ends up, it has to be good. It has to be good football. Yes. I will say this. The one rule that I really like, and if I was a head coach in the XFL, there is no doubt in my mind, after every touchdown, I'd go for three points. I'd go from the 10-yard line. It's one of those things that'll probably, um, with with more analytics, like it'll make sense. Like, oh, should you be going for the three from the 10-yard line or the two from the five uh, and so on? I do agree with like a lot of like what Matt said, which is that a lot of these rules I really do like, like the the referee who's just dedicated to spotting the ball mm-hmm. just to help the offenses go faster. I mean, and, and the coach being able to talk to the players, all of the players on offense, I think that, that makes so much sense. I don't know why the NFL doesn't adopt that right now. Just and I have, think- like just cut the cut cut the play clock down ten seconds so they don't have to huddle, yeah. and then just send in the plays through their through their helmets every single time, and we have the technology to do it. But the one thing that I do think that makes this league different than the AAF, not only is it just has it been already a lot more successful, I mean, already more ticket sales, 20 times the amount of betting money was placed on the XFL than there was during the AAF during the first weekend. So I do think it has a little bit more legs, but it was just it seems so much more well-organized. Whereas like other leagues in the past, like the AAF and the Canadian Football League, almost felt like they weren't. There wasn't much thought put into them. You know, and if they play their cards right and can continue to keep the funding going and pay for this, I think it could it could work in conjunction with the NFL as kind of, you know, maybe a feeder system, kind of a minor league for the NFL. You know, that they can they can find out what players can really play and can help an NFL roster. Now I would have more interest in the US or the USFL. I would have more interest in the XFL if it had a Detroit team like the USFL did with the Michigan Panthers. I, I checked it out. It was it was fun to watch, but I would have a whole hell of a lot more interest if we had a team here in Michigan. Yeah, and that, that's kind of like to my point. Yeah, lo- local ties helps, you know, having a Detroit team and then having some names that you do kind of remember, you know, like some there's some former Michigan players maybe that you want to watch or something like that, or even like a Johnny Menzel or something like that. Yeah. You know, eventually, yes, the, the wrinkles are going to be cool, but that's kind of what ended up happening with the last XFL. I mean, there was a ton of other problems, but if you kind of remember, the football actually sucked. Like when the old, the first XFL, when you watch the highlights, it's terrible. It was like this, this football is terrible. <laughs> well, that's why they need to just take a, a wrinkle out of the USFL book. This is before your guys' time, but I mean, they had legitimate players to legitimate contracts, and they were just going to play in the spring, right? And then they and got, then Donald Trump, and, yeah. And yeah, Donald Trump wanted to go head to head with the uh, NFL. But what was really cool, you know, what kind of Lion fan I've been. Hashtag since 57. The Michigan Panthers were champions. They had a real coach in Jim Staley. They had star players in Anthony Carter. They had Bobby Bear who went on, played for New Orleans, but he was tremendous. I mean, they had guys that knew how to play football, and they just blew it themselves by trying to go head-to-head with the NFL. Yeah, the one that I do think that what if I was the XFL, if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm going to Tim Tebow, I'm going to Colin Kaepernick. I know Colin Kaepernick yeah. said he wouldn't play for them. I'm going to Johnny Menzel. Those three guys, and I'm basically, I don't know if you have to pay them like a star fee or something, but I'd be willing to pay them, you know, three, four times as much as the other players are getting paid just to get those guys on the team. Yeah, a little star power. Yep, that's the stuff that would help. Yep. For sure. Uh, another quick potpourri topic. Any any comments at all on the Pistons not being able to get anything other than the second-round pick for Andre Drummond? 
I mean, my, my first reaction before, Jared, before you guys weigh in is, you know, it, I think it was just time. Yeah, you, when you look at what they got back, it, it's not impressive at all. But I, I think, like, he did what he was going to do in Detroit. They they weren't improving. They're just sitting around the 9-8 seed, you know, not not getting a high draft pick, not, not actually going to contend in the playoffs. You needed to move on and hopefully start building for the future. I think, the see, this was my problem with it. I mean, obviously, we talked about the haul they got, Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a 2023 second-round pick. But, and maybe it's just because Andre Drummond's last few Twitter posts, and I'll read a couple of them, um, where he basically said, if there's, here's quote-unquote what he said on Twitter, right after he was traded, if there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons, and to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more this is just a business. I love you, Detroit, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and then another post, he had a picture of his son wearing an Andre Drummond jersey, and he said, remember, son, trust no one. I think maybe that's like kind of he's milking it a little bit where that's kind of having an effect on me. But the way I look at it is we have Blake Griffin. We all kind of disagreed with the Blake Griffin trade when it happened mm-hmm. that where we should be trying to rebuild. We're not going to be able to rebuild until we get rid of Blake Griffin. So the way I looked at it was might as well have fun a little bit with one of the greatest rebounders in the, in the NBA. Might as well have him on the team and make this team a little bit more fun to watch while we still have the Blake Griffin thing. Because we we're, we're really have our hands tied with Blake Griffin. So that's the way I look at it. And plus, he performed at Wayside and Mount Pleasant a few times. <laughs> and I saw one of them, and it was pretty electric. So he's a little bit closer to my heart than others. <laughs> yeah, I was that, ne- that was a true story. I, I saw you tweet that out. I thought you were just making some up. No, no. he. Uh, I don't. I was a little bit uh, inebriated. So I don't. I honestly don't remember like what music he was rapping or what he was singing. I think he was just taking like popular rap songs at the time and just giving his own cover of them. But no, he he filled up a crowd at Wayside like it was a concert, and he was performing. Wow! You didn't? Yeah, that was that was a true story. He does that. He used to do that every off season, like three or four concerts. I have a, a more newfound respect for Andre Drummond now. <laughs> it was it was nice to see though his first game with the Cavs. Franchise historic loss of 41 points. <laughs> and now he's John Beeline's headache. I will say this. I was never a, a Drummond fan. Uh, just the way he played. Yeah, he could rebound pretty good because he was big. But uh, I don't think he is the cornerstone of an NBA championship team. Not, not I don't think NBA, so. No. One quick thing for our local fans here. I want to throw this out. Jared will get a kick out of this, I think. The radio station I work for here in Owasso, and I've told people this before, you know I'm an old-time veteran and been doing high school play-by-play for 35 years. Well, we did a game last Friday night, Puamo Westphalia, number six in the state in Division Three, taking on Langsburg, always a good basketball program. In fact, Langsburg had given the Pirates their only loss this season, so we were really anticipating that game Friday night. You know, the crowd was jam-packed at the PW Gym. You know, I was, you know, fired up. You know, at my age, that doesn't happen all the time. Some games, not quite as fired up as others. But I thought thought we had a really good broadcast, had a chance to interview Luke Pohl after the game in the post game. interviewed uh, their star player, Aaron Burr's, Bears. Uh, he had 32 points. So it was. I felt great about it. I get home sa- Saturday morning. The owner of the radio station forwards me an email. I'll read it to you guys. It, it says... <laughs> They are horrible. They said Langsburg freshmen lost. They won. They called us Byron and supported PW. And they announced the end stats wrong. We'll not support your station again. Now, I, I maybe if I was a first or second year announcer, I would have got just 
totally upset, but I thought about it, and I, I sent the owner of the radio station a uh, text back, and I said, LOL, I think they were listening to another station. Because, <laughs> first of all, I never said one word about Langsburg Freshman. Second of all, I never, I never uttered the word Byron, so I don't know what they were listening to. So I, I you know, I, I formulated a nice little email with our uh, game broadcast from WeTransfer and said, hey, take a listen to this. I think you might have been listening to the wrong station. Crickets, never heard anything back, but I, I thought I'd share that with you guys. That's some of the things you deal with as a play-by-play. Sounds like it's been bothering you. Oh, it didn't bother me. It just uh, it. Uh, oh, it didn't bother you, but no, it you truly didn't. Had to rationalize it how you never said anything about the freshman team and you didn't say anything about Byron. And no, yeah, you're right. It, it might have bothered me a little bit if they actually had listened to my broadcast, but I, it, it's painfully clear they didn't. And there was a high school broadcast team there, so I got a feeling it might have been somebody else. Anyway, life nice. life in uh, local radio, guys. Yep. <laughs> All right. Whatever else you sleep at night, uh, saying that that's another broadcast crew. Yeah, right on. All right. Well, <laughs> right on. We'll just say that's it for now. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. It's absolutely free, and it'll really help us continue to grow. Send your comments on topics or guest suggestions to at 3 Pod. Support our 3 Point Podcast partners. Tell them you listen in. Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, the Corona Public Schools, and ProMech Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our network friends at Sports Radio Detroit. And special thanks to Lucy Rodine. It was a fun conversation. Give her a follow at Lucy Rodine TV. That's R O H D E N. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at Z925 Studios in Owasso, Michigan. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast.